As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Joelle Steiniger. I'm Michael Saka. And I'm Matt Goldman. Today we talked with Dan Martell, founder of Clarity.fm. We dug into the recent acquisition of Clarity, as well as the things that Dan did early on to grow the company to where it is today. What'd you guys think? I just thought it was so interesting to hear how his life has kind of changed and the troubles he was in as a kid leading to this really successful company and the lessons that he carried over from something that wouldn't be like a real positive experience in your life to something that's very positive. I just, I like the way that his story played out. 
Yeah, and I loved how he related that those、um, early experiences to literally why he built Clarity, which I hadn't even connected before. It just seemed like a, a platform to connect entrepreneurs, but it was so much more than that to him. And how he came up with the idea is rooted in those early days, and I, I found that really fascinating. Great, let's get into it. We'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Hover makes managing and purchasing domain names simple and easy. This week, we talked to one of the customer service reps, Roger, about the strangest call he's ever gotten on the job. I think I think the strangest support call、uh, that I can remember、uh, was from a poor customer that had somehow gone to our website and bought themselves a personalized email address. And then contacted us back again to say that they, you know, they didn't feel the need that they had to purchase this service when they just needed, you know, parts for their vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Get ten percent off your entire first order by using the code Satisfied Customers, all one word, at Hover dot com. Chargeify makes setting up and managing your recurring revenue or subscription business incredibly simple. Anyone who's ever set this up from scratch knows just how much work it really is. Let Chargeify handle your customer signups, onboarding, billing, and retention, so you can focus on what's most important: growing your business. If you go to chargeify.com/rocketship, they're offering twenty percent off three months exclusively for Rocketship listeners. That's chargeify.com/rocketship. Codeship makes continuous delivery simple and easy. For those of you just getting started, Codeship has a generous free plan with five private projects included and one hundred builds per month. Not enough. You get twenty percent off three months just for being a Rocketship listener. Plus, the team over at Codeship spent the past few months talking to customers and just launched a complete redesign of their app with better usability. Go to Codeship.com/Rocketship to sign up today. So, how did you get started on this Clarity journey? Where did the idea come from? So, the interesting part is Clarity. So, the the idea Clarity is a marketplace for entrepreneurs to get business advice from other entrepreneurs、uh, over the phone. That's that's kind of the distinction. The idea started about when I was 17 years old. So a lot of people don't know this, but when I was growing up, I actually got in a lot of trouble. So、uh, from the ages of 11, I got taken out of my house, put in the foster care, crisis centers, group homes, that kind of stuff.、Uh, got in a lot of trouble with the law. I kind of laugh at it now, but、uh, my dad obviously didn't think it was very funny.、Um, he always used to joke if I only could find something that wasn't illegal that I was passionate about, that I would be <laughs> a su- Superman.、Uh, luckily, I figured it out eventually. But you know, I got in a lot of trouble. Went to jail a couple times. And、uh, when I was 17, I ended up in rehab for kind of everything I'd ever done in my life、uh, to that point was kind of related to drugs and, and that kind of stuff. So at 17, I went to this really special place called Portage. And what was unique about it and ties back to Clarity is that it was the only rehab center I think that I've ever seen to this day where all the staff were ex-drug addicts. So there was this concept of getting advice from people that've been through it before. So, you know, a lot of people when they feel like they're in that hole and trying to get out of that place, the last thing they want is somebody screaming at them at the top, saying like, you know, they just read the book or you know where to put your hands and feet. Like, never actually climbed out of that hole. But you know, Portage is really special place. Actually, all the the staff there were had been through it, and a lot of them. I mean, one guy, George. Big Italian guy. He he had been like、uh, he went to jail in Mexico for like eighteen years. So like for you know something around dealing heroin. So I mean you know when that guy talked to you, you listen. So in a nutshell, a lot of the business stuff that I believe in, a lot of the principles and, and stuff, and and the basis of clarity came from you know when I was seventeen and learned that really important lesson to get advice from people who've been there before. So what made you want to want to 
I guess, what turned the corner for you in that story? Um, you know, a lot of people ask me that because it's, it's funny when I share that story, either they know somebody like that when they grew up or maybe their mother is an alcoholic or their father, you know, left when they're young. So like everybody can relate to somebody having a kind of a substance abuse problem in their life. So they all want to know like what changed it for me. And, you know, there's a few key things. I mean, you know, the, 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 the camel that broke the straw was, you know, getting into a high-speed chase and having a gun with me and saying, you know, like, I'd already been to jail and I said if I got caught again that I would pull the gun to the cops and let them do their job. And, you know, when I when when I ended up getting in that high-speed chase and ran right into a house and tried to grab the gun, it got stuck in the bag and, you know, the door opened up and the cops pulled me out and I, my feet probably didn't, didn't touch the ground <laughs> until, you know, I kind of woke up in the jail cell and uh, I realized that I had give, gotten a second chance and, and really a third chance at that point. So, you know, I just said, whatever I do with my life, I just wasn't going to waste it. So I had that in me, even though I still got sentenced to over a year in, in um, you know, prison. Uh, while I was there, I was fortunate enough to, to meet this really amazing guard named Brian. And, you know, I gotten in trouble one day and I was locked up for three days in solitary. And Brian came to get me because he was not working when that incident went down. And he came, pulled me out of solitary and sat me down in like kind of the staff area that kind of overlooked the different uh, cell blocks. And he just said, what are you doing here? I said, what do you mean? What am I doing here? He goes, well, I see you out there working on your schoolwork and, you know, you seem like you actually care and you're not like the rest of the guys that have been here their whole lives. Like you want to do better. And I was like, well, I do. And he goes, well, what are you doing here? And I was like, well, I did these crimes. And he's like, no, he's like, you don't belong here. You know, I believe in you and you hmm. shouldn't be here. Wow. And and at that age, 16 years old, is the first time in my whole life that anybody had ever said that to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty powerful. So I, I don't know. I believe that, you know, many other people played a role along the way. But, you know, as simple as somebody saying that they saw something in you that you didn't see in yourself, I think that's that's probably one of the most powerful things you can do. And it could be as simple as a smile. Like when you're going throughout your day and you, you just don't realize just saying hi to somebody, you don't know what they're going through and what that might mean to them. And you know, and, and on the other end, you know, actually taking an active role in some kid or person's life and trying to be supportive to them. It's, it's the little things that I think can have a big impact. And, you know, I've been fortunate enough to circle back with Brian and he's now known kind of what I've done with my life. And, you know, to him, he's in the same position where he's like, you know, he didn't feel like it was a big thing. He just, what he does. And, you know, I, I, I'll never, you know, under, underestimate or kind of forget the, the, the simple acts of kindness and how that could impact people. So. You know, that yeah. plus a lot of stuff is the reason why I'm here today. No, that's, a, that's amazing. And you have an, an amazing story. Was there a time when you reached out for help and maybe didn't get it oh, or, I mean, or, it, or did? Well, so the thing is, is like, I went to this, you know, rehab center, but it wasn't the first, you know, I'd been in therapy since I was 11 and been to probably several rehab 21 day type programs. So I'd want help in the past, but I just think like most things in life, like the person has to be ready. And, you yeah. know, I had not hit rock bottom at that point. And you would have thought the first time when I was 15, when I went away, you know, and I thought I had hit rock bottom, but, you know, as soon as I got out, you know, vowing that I would change my life, boom, the first night I was back in it with the same group of guys. So, you know, I just think sometimes, you know, even when you think about the context of business advice, you, it's not the message, it's the messenger, Right. And it's the mm -hmm. person receiving the message. A lot of times, you know, you know, you might have your parents say, like, I've always said that you never listen to me. But then this one book you read says the same thing and you listen. And and I think that it really depends on the person in their context, plus who's saying it more than what's said. And uh, I'll never forget kind of that that lesson. How did you realize that there was that need to be filled then? So 
for you personally, you learned that lesson through other things in life, but kind of looked at it through the lens uh, of business and the early stages of clarity. How did you know that that was something that was really going to resonate with a lot of people? It was kind of like, it took me forever. Like it wasn't until like I started, you know, I learned how to code in rehab, which is crazy considering there was no internet. I found this book on Java programming in a 486 computer uh, and just sat there in this like old gym and just coded. But there was something about programming that was, that was just really interesting from a creation point of view. Like I've always been somebody that like built tree forts and, you know, in Canada, snow, snow igloos and stuff and charge people to play in them. So I've, I've always had this idea of like creating and then monetizing. So, you know, so, so business was always something I felt like I would do, but the, thing I learned is that it, it matters so much to me about the person's reality that's giving me the advice that I just couldn't do it any other way. And it was, you know, it's why that portage was the only place that I felt would have saved my life. Like any other place I would have been in and out and relapse and, you know, I probably wouldn't be here today. So, you know, I just applied that to every other aspect of my life and, and, and have since. And anytime I've asked somebody that's had success in their life, I always ask them like, who was that mentor for you? They all know. Right. Everybody knows they're like, yeah. And sometimes the mentor isn't physically somebody they've met, but just somebody that inspired them that they read about. Maybe they saw them on TV and it could be somebody that won a a local award or whatever it is. And that's why I really think there's there's a sense of responsibility for everybody for what you guys are doing here with this podcast, like to really share our lessons learned and what we've gone through in our struggles, because it really just takes that it's story, it's struggle. It's, you know, I remember it it took me until I was 24. I started my first company at 17. It was a vacation rental site. And I learned that you should not name it, you know, something with a very small demographic like maritimevacation.ca, which is this really small part of Canada on the East Coast. Uh, the guy that owned at the cottage.com clearly did a better job and, and beat me. Um, so, you know, picking a big enough market, uh, was one of the first business lessons I learned. And then I did a web hosting company because anybody that builds websites for people feels like, Hey, you should pay me every month for this hosting. Uh, mm-hmm. and then you realize if you want any life whatsoever, you should probably not do that because, you know, when you're dealing with people's email service, and stuff on Saturday mornings. It's no fun. So that one lost $20,000. So, you know, I kept learning. And when I was uh, 24, I started this company called Sphere Technologies, but it still took me two years. Like it, it sounds bananas that people might hear me now and say, oh, he's, he's so intelligent. He has all this stuff together. I was 26. So almost 10 years in business till I realized that, hey, I should see if there's anybody else doing what I'm trying to do that could help me because I really don't want to screw up a third time. It's going to really hurt. And I've lost all faith from everybody. I mean, you got to understand, I went from getting a lot of trouble to starting business to failing in business. So it's not like my parents were like super supportive. They were like, when's he going to get a real job? <laughs> right. And it, when's he going to like turn to legal stuff to try to make some money? Cause he's clearly not making it work on the business side. So, you know, when I was 26, I got to really rough spot in my business. But what I did is at 24, I started reading and I read some really amazing books. The first one I ever read was love is a killer app by, uh, Oh, what is his, his name? Love is a killer app by oh, X C C O of Yahoo. Anyways, amazing book really taught me the three core values that I live today, which is, you know, acquire knowledge for yourself and your customers, right? So you can share. Second is your net worth is your network. So really invest in relationships because if you lost it all tomorrow, as long as you have your integrity and your relationships, you can probably rebuild it. And the third is to just give without expecting anything. So that whole, you know, give back and, and, and whatnot. So I guess in some ways, a lot of that uh, applies to what I'm doing today with clarity, but Oh, to finish the answer, when I was 26, almost on the brink of failure, I had 12 employees. I grew the business 150% for two years. We were a million and a half in revenue, and I was about to go bankrupt. 
as I didn't understand a thing called cash flow. And out of desperation, I cold emailed. I said, who would, this is the, this is my logic. And, and I think it made some sense. It was like, who would care if I died as a business? You know, like n- not as a person, but as a business, like who would care if I died? Uh, and I thought the prime minister of our province, the governor, essentially the governor <laughs> would care because I had 12 employees, all of our customers in the U S. So we were export dollars and he would care. So I cold emailed them on a, the December 26th, which happened to be my birthday. And I explained to them very simply who I was, what I'd built and uh, what I was looking for. And I was just like, is there anybody else like me that built this kind of company in this province? And he introduced me to three people. He didn't even introduce. He said, here are the three names. Like that was his response, but <laughs> responded in 30 minutes, like, wow. you know, one o'clock in the morning, you know, he was probably up enjoying the festivities and just replied. And those three people I uh, followed up with, they had no clue who I was. They were much older than I, and those three people changed my life. So, you know, so it was 26 when I finally figured it out. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices, construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. And what advice did they give you at the time? Um, like what turns it around? You know, it's, it's everything. I mean, when you meet an advisor or mentor, it's not anything specific, right? I, 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 you know, when I look back and I think, I always try to think of the feelings I was feeling when I met with these people. The biggest yeah. feeling I had was that they made me feel normal. Like that might sound crazy, but when you're an entrepreneur and if you've never met an entrepreneur, like I didn't grow up with anybody that was entrepreneurial, right? So like the best I have is my best friend, Nick, who took over his dad's sign company that used to argue with me that it was smart to be late for meetings with customers because it showed the customers you were busy. So it must mean you're good. (laughs) Like that was the quality of business advice I was getting. So when I met with these guys and they were running, you know, multi-million, hundred plus employee companies and all they said was, wow, that's impressive. Like, how did you learn how to do this? And I was like, I read books and, you know, for them to just say like what I was feeling and the fact that I was in that position was normal was probably the most liberating thing. And I think that's, you know, back to maybe what, you know, Brian told me when he said he believed in me. And it's just sometimes it's nice to just feel like people are there to support you or that they, that, that what you're doing is not crazy. Cause it's easy as an entrepreneur to feel like, you know, am I crazy? Is there there there? You know, why am I doing this? I'm not seeing what I thought I would see. Then you keep plugging forward. And that's, that, that's what they pretty much said to me. Now I would be totally mm-hmm. not doing them any service whatsoever by saying that was it. Cause it was, you know, invaluable the amount of time they spent with me. But, uh, you know, they taught me things like how to fix my cash flow problems, thing called factoring plus a line of credit, solve that. And then just, uh, how to kind of plan strategically and aim bigger and kind of keep doing what I was doing, which was pretty cool. So, you know, gone, I think two years after that, we sold the company and it was definitely because of that, the, the time I got to spend with those guys. Jumping back over to clarity, that's something that's clearly really dear to your heart. Mm. You have some big news that you're announcing. Yeah. You're selling the company. Yeah. Well, we got acquired. If it was up to me, I wouldn't sell, uh, which sounds funny. A lot of people don't understand that when you raise venture capital, right? So we raised $1.6 million from some amazing investors, Mark Cuban, uh, Baseline Ventures, who invest in Twitter and Instagram, and a bunch of other great guys, uh, Dave McClure. When you raise money, you have a, a financial responsibility or just a personal responsibility to generate a return for them. So that, you know, every decision you make as much as it's your baby and you're passionate about where you want to take it and, and kind of you have this kind of 
a commitment to them. Plus, you know, I had a commitment to our user base and our customers. And I said right from the beginning, like my goal is to, to have a positive impact on a billion people within a decade, you know, and it was, I think 2024, 2022 would be the 10 year mark. And we're only two and a half years in. So what happened is we, we were out fundraising for our next round of funding. We ended up uh, meeting a company that was really interesting. They're, they're a multi-billion dollar company in this space. I can't mention their name because they weren't the one that bought us, but they kicked it off. So they were like, Hey, we really like what you're doing. We think there's a great role for that product clarity to fit into what we're doing. And it kind of aligned with what I wanted to do. And it would have done it a lot faster than raising money and kind of building out the distribution. Cause with every product, it is about distribution, right? So there's a reason why Google bought YouTube. It's because they were able to give YouTube huge distribution in search and, you know, uh, Facebook and Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, when, when we realized there would maybe be an opportunity to get acquired, we started a process and then we met with about 15 companies and ended up uh, meeting with Fundable. So Fundable.com is a company that acquired us. What's being announced today uh, is not only Fundable acquisition of Clarity, but this new group of companies called uh, Startups. Uh, so essentially Startup.co. And it is aiming to be the number one place for entrepreneurs and startups to go to get access to advice, resources, fundraising, capital. I mean, a lot of people don't know, but Fundable is one of the largest crowdsourcing sites, bigger than Kickstarter, bigger than Angelus. Uh, but they just focus on non-traditional venture-backed companies, so like restaurants and hardware startups and that kind of stuff and it's equity based. So uh, I think they've helped raise over $100 million for various companies. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head because there's so many entities. So they bought LaunchRock. That's part of it. Clarity, Startup, Plays.com and another one. And now it's all becoming one brand called Startups. Oh, that's amazing. Elliot was actually on our show last there year you go. talking about Fundable, which is, um, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah, I'm a no, big what, fan of what they're well, doing. Well, that's the thing yeah. is, you know, I've known Will, the CEO, and it was just this like chance conversation where he's like, what's new? And I was telling him we're in process. And he said, dude, like, would you even entertain the concept? And I was like, well, tell me what your vision is. And when he told me the vision, I was like, that's no, no other company out of all the ones we talked to had that specific kind of continuation of what I wanted to build with the the footprint that they had and the brand alignment and kind of what I wanted to see happen with the company. So yeah, it's a huge day. Can you give us any insight as to what it looks like after your, um, you know, after everything goes through, um, do you still go to work at Clarity? Yeah. So, I mean, the thing about Will that's amazing is he's been building companies as long as longer than I have. And, you know, when we first had a conversation, he goes, I just want you to know that I don't expect you to stay more than a day. Nah, and I don't know. Yeah. So like, I don't know if there's any entrepreneurs listening, but like, that's pretty attractive. Like if he was trying to negotiate good on you, well, well done. Cause that was, that was like one of the key things. I'm like, okay, financial outcome the same, except I don't have to stay an extra day unless I want to. So yeah. what we agreed upon is I'm going to stay on as an advisor. I mean, I have a huge vested interest to make sure this is a huge success, which, which I was going to be involved anyways. I've got a, an amazing community of, of experts and members that have invested a lot of time and energy into the product that I would not want them to feel like there was no, um, no continuation on my end to make sure that their voice is heard the product side or whatnot. So I would say for the most part, for 99% of the population, they won't notice a big difference. I'm still a huge fan of Clarity. I still run, we do a weekly Clarity live session that I moderate. And, uh, you know, other than who's responsible for kind of managing the development aspect, I'm still involved in product roadmap and strategically kind of how it integrates to their other products. But, uh, you know, fortunately, um, I'm not 
obligated to get up and work on anything. Like kind of way I look at it is I don't have a work product commitment, so I don't have to d- deliver yeah. anything. I just got to get on phone calls if I want to. And I've decided to take a year off to travel the world. And that's why I'm in San Diego. So that's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty, what neat. happens to the team too? So the whole team went over to fundable. So, okay. yeah, I just okay. know like as much as I love will and the whole team, like I'm just a really shitty employee. I don't know. Is this a PG <laughs> podcast? Or? I, I think All right, cool. probably so, most yeah. founders are. Yeah, I just yeah. suck. And like the last time, so Flowtown got acquired, I lasted three months, right? And and okay. not because I, you know, like it wasn't, there was nothing like mispromised or there's no bait and switch. Like it was just, there's just something in me that wants to create without the burden. I mean, it's hard enough to build and be successful just when you can control all the aspects of the project. But when all of a sudden you need to get budget, I mean, I remember, you know, Demand Force, the company acquired Flowtown, they eventually got acquired, eventually as in like six weeks after I left to Intuit for 550 million. So that company kind of went on and it was an awesome outcome for everybody, including myself as a, a equity holder. But, you know, I showed up day one and they were like, hey, we need a marketing plan, you know, to kind of triple growth. And I said, cool. And I went away in the afternoon. I knocked on my boss's door, the market, the CMO. And I said, here's the plan. And he was like, well, wait, like I meant in two weeks we could like review it. And I was like, well, what else am I doing? You, there's only <laughs> right. one thing you asked me to do, which is this marketing strategy. And it turns out that what we've been doing seems to be working. So I just, you know, kind of amplified all the numbers and the, the plan's good. So, you know, and then he said, well, we can't, we wouldn't be able to get that approved till Q3, which, you know, Q3, yeah, nobody says that in startup land, like Q3. Right. It's like, if it's a good idea, you do it next week. So I was just like, this is just not going to work. Like I just, I move, you know, it was like they bought a Ferrari and they're asking me to drive in like, you know, traffic and I was just getting yeah. frustrated. So this is the third company that you've built up to a successful exit. Yeah. The speed at which you're doing this seems to be pretty quick. Earlier you said that your net worth is your network. How important was network to growing clarity as fast as you did? It's, I mean, it's everything. I don't, I don't know how to explain this, but nothing, including being here on this podcast, uh, enjoying the time so far in San, San Diego to, you know, raising capital to getting acquired, right? It, nothing happens without people. And it still blows my mind when I meet people that don't make a conscious effort to invest in their relationships. Like, like, you know, we met over lunch and, you know, I do that twice a week. I have lunch with entrepreneurs that reach out to me that, you know, I, if they want to talk to me, that's a big ass, like to, to schedule time with me. And that's why I built clarity. But if they fly to where I'm at and they want to have lunch, it's on me. Like, it's just, you know, to me, I just think that that's such an important part and, and is everything I've ever achieved in my life was because of other people. Like nothing, unless you trade stocks is like the only thing I could think about that would require nobody else to, uh, to be successful. in. but, uh, how, how much fun would that be? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So it's everything. So I think it's uh, important that people invest in that. And was, were you doing this ever since you got those three intros? No, you think I would be doing it longer. I read uh, never eat alone by Keith Ferrazzi. 10 years ago and I'm actually friends with Keith now and he's he's just an amazing individual if you haven't read that book you should but you know he just says like every day you got to eat so why not invite people with you and you know you can either be passive about it where you know you're notable or, or kind of sought after I like that word sought after Jason Calacanis recently wrote a post about how to become sought after so you have people emailing you asking you for your time that's sought after anyways if that's you then just organize a lunch and just put them like in San Francisco is every day every day for lunch because there's just so so many Canadians. I'm a pretty big Canadian entrepreneur. Like that's I say it everywhere. So every Canadian that came to San Francisco found some way to reach out to me, and I would always invite them to lunch, and I would just put them on this invite list. And like every day, six people would show up in my office. I didn't know any of them, like because really I didn't have time to even research who they were. 
and they didn't know each other. And we just had lunch and it was awesome. So that's one way. And then the other way is more proactive where anytime I start a new business or project or anything, I always make a thing called the dream 100. It's a hundred people that would just be a dream to work with in some capacity with this business or this project. So if it's a, you know, nonprofit or, or a company, it's like, what's that 100 people? And it takes a while to build a hundred is sounds not that many, but it's quite a bit. So, you know, I did the same thing in San Diego. I kind of did some research with a hundred people. I'd love to meet while I'm here. And, you know, I reach out to them. And, and the good thing is you need to understand is some of them will blow you off and some of them won't respond and it doesn't matter because you get a hundred, yeah. right? And if you're a nice yeah. guy and you mean well and you approach it properly, like you'll get about 60, 70% response and that's, that's awesome. So, you know, I've been doing that every city I've traveled all the time. So it, I guess it adds up, but I don't do it as like a game. I do it because I'm genuinely interested in people that are passionate about what they do. Well, I think that's the key is that networking as the term sounds ingenuine in like that classic form but when you actually are genuine about it and you care about people and learning from them and getting to know them then that's when you really build these relationships you ever hear me say networking yeah i call it relationship building and you as you get into it you realize that other people have the same intentions and that they're open to meeting and sharing. And like, well, that's the beauty of meeting like-minded people is, yeah. is, you know, when you meet them, you're like, man, I like this guy. And they're like, why do I like this guy so much? It's like, cause he's like me, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and if you're the type of guy that cold emails the CEO of a company and he responds and you guys get lunch, like, guess what? He's probably like you and has done it in the past. And that's why he said, yes. So, you know, it happened to me recently. I sat down with a guy named James uh, Brennan, never met him. He's the founder of Suja Juice, which I guess is a big deal in San Diego. Mm-hmm. One of the fastest juice brands growth in the world, like 8,600 stores now in two years. Wow. And uh, he's in San Diego. A friend of mine mentioned his name and I reached out to him and we had a 30 minute conversation that turned into two hours. And now I'm going to his house with our kids to have a play date on the weekend. And like, He's just a freaking awesome dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we would have been friends regardless. So, you know, I just, I, I just think that that's the most important thing is, is, you know, it's about, like I said, if I lost it all tomorrow, if clarity wasn't a success and I had put all my own money into it and lost it all, you know, really give me six months of sleeping on my brother's couch. I would have built it all back. Right. It's like integrity and relationship building. Like you can't, if you, if you didn't have a word that would be trustworthy, then you're in trouble. But if you're somebody that's always said what you, you would do and you're somebody that does things from the right place and you're good to people and you're helpful, then you'd be surprised how fast, you know, like clarity started because I had a thousand of my friends and friends is a loose, loose word in today's world of social media, but a thousand amazing entrepreneurs took a chance on me and signed up and made themselves available for free on clarity for the first three months. And that set the, I knew how important getting the first thousand experts on clarity set the tone for the next 5,000, 10,000. We, we ended up getting over 50,000 and it all came from, you know, in some ways the, you know, I don't want to say work, but the, the, the time I put in prior to that, all those lunches and meetings and dinners and stuff. When you see a marketplace app, there's so much work that has to go into building up both sides you know, the people that are willing to take the calls and the people making the calls. And it's something, the amount of work that goes in is something that you don't see that much. And I think a lot of the products that are marketplaces fail due to that. One it's of, everything. It's yeah, everything. One of the companies. It's like having twins. Yeah. One of the ones we interviewed locally is House Call, and they, they go to your house and do housework. And when they don't have vendors to do a certain job, they'll do it themselves. So when you look through the app, you see the founders all throughout. And that's one other case where I see people hustling. When you started out, you were flying town to town, weren't you? You know, meeting the people on that list uh-huh. and 
begging them to be on Clarity. Yeah, I would I would go to events and people would be like, what's new? And I'd say, you want to see? And I'd get them to sign up. Like it was yeah. hand-to-hand on combat the on the spot. Like I'd go to an event and get 25 new experts. And But it was really important for me to explain to them the essence of the app and what would it, what it was for. Because early days, it was really simple. I mean, it was Facebook Connect and you put your cell number. Like yeah. that was it. Like your profile page was your face, your name, your bio, and then a button that says call. So it was really important for the people that, that registered to understand what was the commitment, why I was doing this, who I was going to market it to, the type of calls they would get, what my expectations was for them to respond. So there's yeah. just a lot of nuances that I didn't have time to build that were important to get right on the supply side. So, I mean, I realize, I, I've learned since a building marketplace is one of the hardest things you could do as a, as a founder, a technology founder. And, you know, it's gotten, it was so bad in the beginning that I actually started like a support dinner. So, you know, marketplace founders dinner that would have like, you know, the guys from Airbnb and Uber and a bunch of other folks that we'd come and share stories. And then, then the early guys like Kevin from Ship and, you know, uh, just the early new marketplace startups would meet with like the established one. But people don't realize like this whole marketplace 3.0 kind of like the Uber home joy of the world clarity it's uh it's a very new thing like it doesn't have it's like maybe i think there's only like six billion dollar marketplace companies in the world it's like ebay yelp maybe now and a few others so it's it's such a a rare thing and a hard thing to make work that you know i thought again relationships why don't i surround myself or get advice from people who've done it before and that's what i did and the value to them was they would learn from the new upstart saying you know here's this really interesting growth hack we we discovered on pinterest that you could probably use 10x next year Mm -hmm. you know so so if you met a kid today that was kind of the spitting image of you when you were 15 16 and you saw (laughs) you saw the potential that um that guard saw in you Mm. what would you say to him so I actually get this call and email uh, almost on a weekly basis. So I just had one I was looking at this morning. Because I'm pretty open with my story, I get a lot of people that run into people that could really use somebody like me to talk to these uh, these kids, these adolescents. It's, it's it's so challenging. I remember one time this mother, she somebody read about in the newspaper about me and her friend had the problem with her, her son. And I took the call and she's telling me, like, he just got arrested two days ago. He's threatening if I don't pick him up and get him out of jail, he's going to kill himself. I don't know what to do. You know, I, I, I don't want him to die. And but this is the third time. And what should I do? And here I am telling her, like, he's got to stay. You know, like if you pick him up, he will die. Right. And the problem, the reason why he's been there three times is probably because you've been supporting him. I mean, when he gets out, where does he go? And she goes to the house and then he runs away and hangs out with his friends. And then after two weeks, I got to call his probation officer. So it's kind of like back to, you know, all that to say that it's really important for the person to be in the right state of mind. So I, I know that, you know, even though three or four times a year I go talk to the kids at Portage, so they do like different intakes. So, you know, once a quarter I fly in and talk to about 50 kids that are about 12 to 18 years old. And, and really my goal is to just show them because people don't realize this when you're, when you're, when you have a substance abuse problem or you've lived life in this very crazy, chaotic, fast paced, really weird like i mean the stuff that i was doing at 13 14 like most adults will never experience when you get sober the biggest fear you have and i remember this is that my life is going to be boring as shit 
right? It sounds crazy, but yeah. if you've lived where you were traveling all over your area, selling drugs and partying and doing stuff to having money to not having any of it, and then I got to get a full-time job making eight bucks an hour and living by myself because I can't hang out with my old friends. And like, it just doesn't sound exciting. So the best thing I do is I go in there and I show them that, you know, life can be pretty freaking amazing. I mean, I just spent a week with Richard Branson at his house in May. Like, I'm from a small town in Canada. Like, what right do I have to spend time with Richard Branson, you know, or invest, you know, investment from Mark Cuban and, and like all these things, you know, when I show them that, it's like, you know, they all have the ability to be amazing entrepreneurs because it turns out a lot of the street living teaches you business acumen. Right. Like it sounds nuts, but everything I learned from, you know, you know, buying drugs, selling drugs, uh, trying to get myself out of trouble and negotiate, you know, those are those are skills that turns out are pretty important in business. Right. Not the illegal ones, but just negotiating persuasion, streets, street smarts, that kind of stuff. So, you know, if if somebody if I met that kid, I would just try to figure out where he's at in his head. You know, try to figure out is, is he ready or is he not? And if he's not, you just, all I do is I make sure that they know where to turn when they're ready. And that's the best thing I can do, right? I just say, look, I've been there. This is my story. I don't tell them what to do. I've never ever told them what to do. I just say, this is my story. And, and what I do when I, with the kids that I go talk to in groups, I say, if you guys get out and stay sober for a year, call me and I'll help you create the most amazing company you'll ever experience in, in the world. And I, and I will do that. Unfortunately, only one person's ever taken me up on that. And it's been 15 years. So it is what it is. So, you know, the best thing I can do is just, it's kind of like, you got to do you. So I do me. And then when I share my story is, is kind of a way to give content for people to share with those that need it. So if anybody's listening to this and they feel like somebody needs to hear this story, by all means, share it with them. You know, that's, that's what I do. I just, I can't, I know, I always think like, what could somebody have said to me at that point? Let's call it in the beginning when I was 14, there was nothing. I was just such a hard headed friggin' shithead. You know what I mean? Like I was just, set in my own ways and I could do no wrong. And my life was awesome, even though there's a lot of stuff crumbling around me. And it's sometimes you got to hit rock bottom and be ready for the help. And, and as long as you know where to go and the help you're ready for it, that's the big, the big thing. And if you're a parent is don't enable your kids, don't be a codependent, um, really allow them to discover that rock bottom. Yeah. That's amazing advice. Incredibly hard to do. So hard. But same thing with yeah. business. Like, I mean, yeah. I've invested in 33 companies as an angel investor, and there's always been a point in each one of them where I've wanted to tell the entrepreneur what I thought he should do, which I know is none of my responsibility or, or my right. So I just shut my mouth, right? Cause you got it. Sometimes you just got to let them learn those lessons themselves. And when they bump their head and they come back, as long as they're not like company killing lessons, mm-hmm. but when they come back and they go, wow, that didn't work, you'd be like, well, you know, I saw you doing this. I wanted you to kind of, kind of see, cause maybe you would have done it differently. I didn't know, but here's kind of my approach to things. And then they're like, Oh, okay. That totally makes sense. And I won't do that again. So, you know, I just feel like sometimes you have to let people stumble along first before uh, they're ready back to the very first thing we talked about, which is the messenger and the context of the person receiving the message matters so much more than what's said, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. No, hundred percent. Yeah, I really appreciate it. It's been amazing. And where can where do we keep up with you? And, and I guess even Clarity in its new home. Yeah, so Clarity uh, is not going to... Nothing's going to change. If anything, Clarity is just going to start getting integrated into all the different products. So, you know, if you think about Fundable, you're trying to raise crowdfunding, you know, we'll have Clarity experts from Clarity powering the advice side of fundraising. And all the different products will... The underlying foundation will be the, the advice side of the products, which will be powered by Clarity. And plus, the Clarity community will always be there. So, uh, 
the best place is my blog. So I took a year off. I'm reading uh, every day and I'm writing twice a week, starting to do these really crazy videos. Well, they're just crazy because they're super hard. I don't know if you've ever done video, but talking to a camera by yourself in a room and try to be high energy and, and relevant and not make mistakes, just bananas. So I try, I, I, I publish every week on Mondays and then Thursdays I write. So my blog is probably the best. And from there, you can link off to my Twitter and my Instagram and stuff. I, I, I like to share. You can, you might call me a social share. And we'll, we'll leave a link in the show notes so people can find it. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. No, my pleasure. Thanks, man. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Joel. Yes, thank you. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, rocketship.fm. And make sure to check out our app discount section where we feature discounts from amazing companies like Treehouse, Wistia, Woo Themes, all giving you exclusive discounts for being a Rocketship listener. So go to rocketship.fm forward slash essentials. Thank you.